Çadırımın üstüne şimdi de damladı Çadırımın üstüne şimdi de damladı Allah canımı almadı almadı Allah canımı almadı almadı Veresiye vererek kalmadı kal Veresiye vererek kalmadı kalmadı Allah canımı almadı almadı Allah canımı almadı You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. I was a little excited about being. (laughs) Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Salon. And today is Friday, January 11th. I am one year older this week. <laughs> yes. Um, this is the 11th day of 2008. There are 355 days left in the year. Uh, almost so, done. Yeah, it's like <laughs> almost done. almost over. It's like, I can't believe it's 2008. On January 11th, in 1908, the Grand Canyon National Monument was created with a proclamation by President Theodore Roosevelt. It became a national park in 1919. On this day in history, in 1943, the United States and Britain signed these relinquishing extraterrestrial rights in China. I just thought that was right. The cool, the, you know, <laughs> they gave up rights to China. Yeah, the, Britain and the United States finally signed treaties. <laughs> and in 1964, on this date, the U.S. Surgeon General Luther Terry issued the first government report saying smoky smoking may be hazardous to one's health. Huh. It yes. wasn't until 1964. 1964. By so. that point, uh, my, both my parents were already hooked. <laughs> it's like, so, and then um, I thought I'd read this just because there's this great comic in today's opinion in the Southern Illinois newspaper. It shows a picture of a guy sleeping on a train. It's called an Amtrak's moment. <laughs> and right out the window, it shows gas at 320 a gallon. <laughs> yeah. So he's just like, yeah, riding the train. And so there's a thumbs up in the opinion of the Southern Illinoisan to the Passenger Rail Investment and Improvement Act that would pour about $3 billion into improving Amtrak's infrastructure. U.S. Senator uh, Dick Durbin, a key supporter on a podcast from his personal website, talks about America's need to improve and develop its passenger rail system as an affordable alternative to costly fuel prices for motor vehicles and expensive airfares. Durbin said the bill would earmark about, it says $200. Hmm. I think that's a typo. Probably. It says will earmark about $200 for Illinois alone <laughs> to purchase newer trains, improve rail tracks and speed, and expand passenger rail service to other parts of the state. 
How important is Amtrak as a means of transportation to and from Carbondale? In 2006, Amtrak officials reported a 46% increase in ridership on the Chicago to Carbondale corridor. So, yeah, I just took the Amtrak recently. And they're actually, um, you know, Amtrak has increased their train service, too. It's like, what, four trains a day now? I think so, yeah. It's more than it used to be. It used yes. to be just two. So. Public transportation. It's a good thing. Yeah, I've ridden the train a few times. Well, I guess I didn't ride it, I was going to say this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last year. <laughs> it was last month I rode it. Yeah, last month I was actually, I was getting on the train to visit my family and you were getting off the train. That's true. I knew we were traveling at about the same time, but then I saw you get off the train and Yep. I actually saw some friends of mine from town who were going they they pretty much go up um to Champagne pretty regularly to go salsa dancing and they just hop on the train and go up. And so I was getting on the I was getting on the train in Champagne. I was visiting some friends and they were getting off the train. So <laughs> yeah. it was just like there was like three or four people. I was like, "Hey, how's it going?" So the fun you can have on the train. Yes, the fun <laughs> of public transportation. So a few <laughs> happenings. Well, I think you should mention the the main happening, which will be that you probably won't be on the air for the next few months. Yeah, there's uh, for for those of you who haven't heard, the SIU is offering a class in Irish Irish language. Irish. <laughs> yes, I, Irish Gaelic, and it's uh, it's. A visiting professor is teaching it, so it might only be for last semester and this semester. Ooh. So I thought, I've got to take this now while it's yeah. here. And then I looked at the schedule. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, so we're going to try to figure it out that maybe we'll pr- maybe pre-record some shows on yeah. Thursday evening. We may pre-record some, or I may record segments, or yeah. I may occasionally... You know, accidentally miss the class. Yeah. <laughs> just like, to just to visit my radio friends. Yeah, but <laughs> we'll record it live. Yeah. And not tell you. So you might think we're still in the studio. Yeah, you'll never know. We'll keep you guessing. Yeah, so some Thursday nights we'll record the show. Actually this show was recorded last night. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you you had me going for a second there, like, wait a minute, it's Friday morning. <laughs> okay. So, um, some happenings. Yes. Open Minds, January 13th at 8.45 a.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship, which is located at the corner of Parish and Sunset at 105 North Parish Lane. Open Minds presents Global Warming, What Can We Do? Emphasis will be on local, regional, state, and federal action plans. Did you, that, that makes no sense. Emphasis will be on <laughs> local, regional, state, and federal action plans. So they're emphasizing everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, no world plans. But <laughs> um, ethanol just ain't going to be enough, Qu- quotes coordinator Terry Bauman will use possible innovative solutions, mandates in the U.S. Conference of Mayors Climate Protection Agreement as blueprints for this discussion. I think I'm going to go to that. That sounds interesting. Oh, yes. So in other happenings, we have shut down Guantanamo. Uh, You don't have to say it's so decisive. (laughs) Yes. It's like you think everybody's going to listen because you're so (laughs) strong-minded. I remember when you were shy. 
Yeah. <laughs> Shut down Guantanamo. Shut down Guantanamo now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so uh, here, here's a quote. Immediately close the detention center at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and either release its inmates or bring them before an impartial tribunal. That's a quote from the United Nations Human Rights Commission. And the Peace Coalition members and friends, they're once again reminding us of the call to wear orange on January 11th, which happens to be today. Uh, I have to go home and change to orange. We also encourage people around the world to wear orange T-shirts, armbands, or other orange clothing. I question do you actually have some orange clothes? I've never seen you wear anything but dark. I do actually have orange. I wear it usually around harvest time, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I like I like wearing colorful clothes, like in the winter sometimes. Yeah. It's like um, pumpkin color. There's, yeah. There's, there's another name for it besides pumpkin <laughs> color. But when I wear my orange shirt and these green pants, I look kind of like a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> that's backwards, though. It's supposed to be green shirt and orange pants. <laughs> yeah. But then you'd be a disco king. I would. (laughs) So, yes, and the oranges in uh, recognition of those orange jumpsuits that they make all the detainees wear. And uh, so you can wear orange ribbons if you don't have orange clothes. A local action is planned for the Carbondale, (coughs) excuse me, Carbondale Town Square Pavilion from 1 to 2 p.m. That's today. That's today. And at the Federal Building from 2 to 3 p.m. For more information, you can go to www.witnesstorture.org www.aclu.org or you can email standagainsttorture that's stand underscore against underscore torture at riseup.net or if you want more information just show up at the Town Square Pavilion from 1 to 2 p.m. and the Federal Building from 2 to 3 p.m. Yep, I have plenty of information for you there. Another happening evening even song I almost said evening song. Even song. A series of structured explorations and sharing of individual experience facilitates personal sharing and develops deep listening skills. In doing so, it builds personal relationships and encourages spiritual and theological reflection in a group setting. Even song will be offered on eight consecutive Tuesday evenings, 730 p.m. to 9 p.m. from January 15th to February 28th, and this is at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship, located at the corner of Parish and Sunset. Registration is encouraged. To register or for more information, please contact Bill Sasso at 529-2436 or bsasso at juno.com. Okay. Yes. You have other happenings? Yes, I do. Well, actually, I found something uh, for the previous happening. Like I, I knew this website existed, but I couldn't remember the address. And it's tearitdown.org. It's a really interesting website about Guantanamo. You you sign a petition to to dismantle the you know the camp at Guantanamo Bay. Will they send me a brick? <laughs> no, it's it's <laughs> close though. It shows this picture of the you know like a very like black and white picture of a guard guarding the detainees and for every person that signs a little picture pixel of that picture disappears oh so if enough people sign the petition so it's you know, a, it's it's 
Internet pricks. Yes, yeah, it's, in, yeah, it's internet pricks. You get to take an internet prick out of Guantanamo. Ooh. And when they reach their goal of the full petition, then the full picture will be gone. What's the website again? It's uh, teardown.org. Ooh, we could do, once they tear down Guantanamo, we could do other ones too. Yeah, we could do other ones. Teardown.org. Yeah, I love the idea because, you know, a lot of people want to sign a petition, but this makes them feel, you know, visually it shows that they're making a difference. It's, it's like I wanted a brick, so this <laughs> is almost as good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get to actually visually see it being torn down. Wow. Yeah, okay. it's, it's good stuff. Um, don't forget, if you have happenings, to email it to me at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. If you actually miss this show, guess what? We kind of put it on the website called yes. <laughs> yourcommunityspirit.org. So... And I was a good tree song. I got caught up in the episode upload. So he's like, "Yeah, if you want to hear <laughs> us have another episode, <laughs> yes, please get on there and listen." Because um, every once in a while we say words of wisdom, and if you want to hear them again, go to yourcommunityspirit.org. If you want your happenings to be on here, please email them to info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Yep, so that's our those are our happenings for this week, but be sure to get us series for next week. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> it's the end <laughs> of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. <laughs> All right, so uh, speaking of the end of the world, we have the news for today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our first story, this reminds me of a, an 80s commercial, Where's the Reef? Like, Do you remember those old Where's the Beef commercials? You probably don't. You were... You were out enjoying nature at that point. I was eating vegetarian, too. Yeah. <laughs> so you weren't asking where the beef was. I didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> but this question is, where's the reef? Coral reefs suffer from proximity to humans, says study. <laughs> what doesn't? <laughs> Good question. The main factor contributing to declines in Caribbean coral reef health is proximity to human populations, says a new research in the journal... Proceedings of the Royal Science of London B. A study of 322 reef sites in the Caribbean found that many suffered significant damage from overfishing and agriculture runoff. Author Camillo Mora estimates that reefs in the region provide some $4 billion in economic benefits due to fishing, tourism, and coastal protection, but warns, quote, the expected increase of the world's human population from $6 billion today to 9 billion for the year 2050 suggests that coral reefs are likely to witness a significant ecological crisis in the coming half century if effective conservation strategies including policies on population planning are not implemented soon 
one might say we've got a choral obligation to do so. I guess like a moral obligation, a choral obligation. <laughs> it's not a good joke if you have to explain it. Yeah, it's 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 one of those very subtle puns that you if you blink you'll miss it. Straight to the source, the Guardian, and Reuters. How do you say this kind of fever? Dengue? I don't know. You give me fever. Warning, warming climate may lead to spread of dengue fever in U.S., says health officials. Hey, something good. We get a fever. Climate change is likely increasing cases of malaria in Kenya, various viral diseases in Australia's outback, and tropical dengue fever in the U.S. Quote, widespread appearance of dengue in the continental U.S. is a real possibility, writes Anthony Faku and David Morines in a commentary in the Journal of the American Medical Association. Climate change and poor efforts to control mosquito populations are contributors to the potential problem. In addition, write the authors, quote, the combined efforts of global uh, urbanization and the increasing air travel are expected to make dengue a growing international health problem for the foreseeable future. Straight to the source, Reuters, Argonne's French Press, and the National Geographic News. All right, in other news, get smart. Use of smart grid technology could save the U.S. $120 billion, a study says. A year-long study by the Department of Energy has concluded that when consumers are given the means to closely track and adjust their energy usage, power use declines by an average of 10%. In addition, the study found that households' electricity usage during peak times fell by up to 15%. The study estimated that the smart grid technology, if used nationwide, could save some $120 billion in unneeded power plants and transmission lines, and over a 20-year period could displace the equivalent of 30 large coal-fired power plants. Quote, This research is vital, because decreasing power consumption during the busiest times on the power grid improves efficiency and reliability uh, improves efficiency and reliability and the need to build additional infrastructure, said Senator Patty Murray of Washington. Straight to the source, Reuters and the New York Times. So yeah, of course, you know, another thing that decreases the need for coal fired power plants is uh, renewable energy. <laughs> Well, but in the meantime, this is a good strategy to... Well, the, actually, the best thing is to use less energy. Yeah. I mean, not too many people talk about energy conservation and energy efficiency because, well, it just means use less energy. Yeah. So, surprisingly, I actually do this every Friday morning. I come into the station and I turn out like three lights. <laughs> yeah. That's like, I don't know why they're all on but they are so it's something i actually some people don't like that i do i go in and turn lights off in some places it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember this time i turn off my power strip at home hey turn <laughs> so off the power less uh less phantom uh you know energy gobblers <laughs> all right with apologies to billy joel general motors unveils hydrogen powered concept cadillac Trading your sh in your Chevy for a Cadillac. <laughs> you ought to know by now. 
At this week's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, General Motors unveiled a concept caddy powered by a combination of hydrogen, fuel cells, and battery power. Following the rule that all green cars must have an insipid name, the new Cadillac Provoque is designed to travel some 300 miles before refueling, zoom up to 100 miles per hour, and emit only water vapor. GM hopes to begin selling the Provoque in three or four years, and it's sure to be a hit with the people who have easy access to hydrogen refueling station and insane amounts of money. You know, all two of them. Also at the Consumer Electronics Show, GM unveiled a prototype for a car that can drive itself, nicknamed Boss. <laughs> come on, come on. That's, yes, nicknamed Boss. The company says the self-driving Boss could use less fuel by operating more efficiency, efficiently and reducing traffic congestion. Straight to the source, Reuters, MarketWatch, and the New York Times. And so that's... General Motors unveils hydrogen-powered concept car. It's pretty interesting. General Motors is coming up with a lot of very interesting concept vehicles. Um, they do a lot of advertising lately for their all-electric Volt, Chevy Volt, but I have yet to see any. They have no hybrid vehicles, and um, they have... Um, a lot of very large vehicles, but they do have um, more flex fuel cars. This is their advertising. We have more flex fuel cars than any other manufacturer on the market. Of course, pretty much any vehicle past 1992 is flex fuel. Um, it just matters if their rubber fuel lines can handle it. So sometimes you have to replace the rubber fuel lines because um, ethanol can tend to eat through some of the older rubbers but none of the new every new vehicle now is flex fuel so yes so yeah we actually had a caller who had a good idea about our last story um in addition to just saving you know in addition to putting the burden on us to consume less energy by taking all of these cost-saving measures it's also a good idea to contact you know senators congresspeople and get them to promote you know, supporting renewables. It's true. Because then, you know, it's, it's good. You know, as responsible citizens, we have to do our job to, you know, not consume a bunch of energy we don't need to. But then also, as responsible citizens, we need to ensure that, you know, the, the higher-ups are also doing their job. Well, they're not higher-ups. They work <laughs> for us. Yeah, theoretically. We need to remind them of that sometimes. I mean, we put them in office, and so, yeah, call them up and say, yo, servant, do some work for me. Yeah. Hi, this is your boss. I'm calling to uh, <laughs> advise you to use renewables. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we'd talk a little bit about global cooling. Yes. <laughs> it's like... Okay, yes. I can read this one. Scientists admit globe cooling. In 2008, the globe will cool down a bit, but still be bloody hot, says researchers. <laughs> Thanks to a strong La Nina... This upcoming year is likely to have a lower average global temperature than has occurred since 2000, according to UK forecasters. Note to climate skeptics, this is the point where you stop reading and write a press release gleefully announcing that the Earth is cooling and that global warming is a hoax. <laughs> Some people will probably do that, actually. But for those of you who are still listening, uh, the same scientists who predicted that 2008 will still likely be one of the ten hottest years on record. 
So, you know, it's not going to be quite as hot as, you know, the trend has been, but it's still going to be one of the ten hottest on record. Says researcher Phil Jones of the UK Met Office, quote, The fact that 2008 is forecast to be cooler than any of the last seven years does not mean that global warming has gone away. As his colleague Chris Foland, quote, Sharply renewed warming is likely once La Nina declines. Ah, uh, dang, Nevit. <laughs> global warming isn't over. <laughs> Straight to the source, Reuters and Associated Press. And we're, we're already up to a, you know, a good start for having a really warm year, actually. <laughs> We've had record highs so far. That's true. I, it hit, there was like a cold day, and then like the next day was like 70 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was really freaky and strange. Pretty um, wacky. I thought it was late March, early April. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna read a little bit about this one, and then I'm gonna go into politics. Yeah, we're not supposed to talk about politics, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, our views are our own views, and not the views of whoever else may be supporting <laughs> the station. <laughs> uh, blues cues. IBM sued for dumping chemicals in upstate New York. A group of 94 plaintiffs have filed suit against IBM in New York State Supreme Court seeking damages for the company's role in dumping toxic materials near a former factory that allegedly contributed to residents developing cancers, heart defects, and other problems. Now, it's not like IBM just started doing this. Operating... IBM operated the New York plant from 1924 until it was sold in 2002. The company has since moved to clean up or at least, you know, mitigate at least some of the pollution. The suit filed seeks damages of over $100 million straight to the source, Associated Press, Reuters, and the New York Times. And in case you didn't know, I kind of badmouth IBM quite a bit for their role in... um, tattooing the Jews in Nazi Germany. So I kind of get after them. I try to get after them as much as possible because they have done a lot of really nasty stuff. Anytime a story comes up about them. Because like (laughs) they did what a a few big companies did. They said like oh we've lost contact with our German company and then oh we've we've regained contact and we get all all the the profits. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) We get to meet them again. What a coincidence. Well, a lot of companies are doing that. They have divisions, and so they, yeah. they can blame it on that division yeah. for doing all the bad things. Like the I left mean, hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. I mean, BP, I could honestly say, is one of the greenest oil companies, but what they did is they bought Amoco, one of the dirtiest <laughs> oil companies, yeah. and so now they can say, like, the oil spill in Alaska was Amoco did it. Yeah, that's not our fault. That's Amoco. <laughs> so, politics. The Granite State Update. Have you been following politics? Well, Clinton and McCain won New York, New Hampshire's primaries and attracted a lot of green voters. Unseasonably warm weather brought out a record number of voters in New Hampshire's primary on Tuesday. And is it mere coincidence that the majority of them voted for candidates with real plans to tackle climate change? Well, <laughs> okay, probably yes. Hillary Clinton was the victor on the Democratic side. She's got a strong platform on climate and clean energy, though her main Democratic uh, opponents, Barack Obama and John Edwards, do too. In the GOP primary, John McCain was the winner. He's the only Republican candidate who's actually spelled out a strategy for coping with climate change, and he co-sponsored a landmark bill in the Senate to address the problem. 
though he hasn't signed on to stronger bills that have emerged since. McCain made a deliberate appeal to New Hampshire voters who care about the environment. Quote, I will clean up the planet. Well, that's a lot. I will clean up the planet, he told the crowd on Monday, deviating from his usual campaign spiel. I will make global warming a priority. So, straight to the source, the Washington Post and the Boston Globe. So, That reminds me of the uh, little Bush clip that we have where... He pledges to make global warming a priority and, you know, heat, superheat the earth to 400 degrees. <laughs> it's like, you want to read that next quote? Oh, yes, Talk. the quote of the day. This is an interesting one. I was just reading it during that story. Uh, there has been focus in Iraq in terms of the media, but the environment and energy to our generation, that's the big problem we see. Our generation sees global environmental damage that has happened over the past decade that is going to be our challenge to fix. That's a quote from a New Hampshire voter, uh, Gray Chenoweth. <laughs> so, yeah, the global environmental damage is a pretty big thing. Well, I mean, I think, like, you, it seems like we have a lot of wars to distract from our domestic problems. Yeah. It's like, it's, I'm not saying the Iraq war isn't seriously bad, but it completely and totally distracts from our domestic problems, which also have global ramifications. Yeah. I tend to think of the Iraq war as symptomatic of a whole perspective that says, you know, let's do what we want and let's, you know, get whatever profit we need, no matter if it destroys the planet, destroys the people in Iraq, destroys the people in the U.S. Yeah. So bring it back to a local perspective. Today, the sun's out. It's like 80 degrees out. I think... (laughs) It's a good day to go take it, get us, you know, lay out in the sun in a bikini. So, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> I don't think I will either, but if you'd like to, it's, it's like, a beautiful day for it. Yeah, it's like, go take a hike. Um, I don't know what people do in nature. I tend to avoid nature as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, but if especially you, those of you who are students, you know, you're going to be indoors through the whole semester, and this is your last weekend to go out in the woods and enjoy the beauty of nature so now is your golden opportunity golden huh Woohoo! <laughs> we will see you again somewhere somewhere somehow yeah well we i was gonna say we can't see him on the air <laughs> and we're both not gonna be here next week uh, oh i could see him on the air with my psychic abilities <laughs> all right have a good week we'll see you around town do good things this is going to be an excellent excellent year yes enjoy